does your heart good to see the little ones. You know, I, I, they just put a smile on your face. Um, you know, you never know what's going to come out of their mouths, uh, but they speak truth. Uh, Tatham has been full of truth the last few weeks. Um, <laughs> we were, Robert and I were, I like to tell this because this is funny. Uh, Robert and I were in the garden, and Robert had pulled a, a real early piece of corn, ear of corn, and I mean, it was real early, and uh, Tatham was with us, and it was so tender you could eat the cob and all, and so Robert was eating it, and uh, he kept trying to give some to Tatham, and Tatham would say no, he'd say no, and Robert would say, Tatham, come on, take a bite, no, and then finally, Robert said, come on, Tatham, take a bite, and Tatham said, you know COVID's going around. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, out of mouths of babes, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, 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 they got what's going on. They, they, they're aware of things they hear. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I'm going to talk about facing present trouble, uh, uh, our present troubles. And we have plenty. And uh, the Bible tells us uh, what we should and shouldn't do and how we should look at it. So I'm going to read First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, or Second Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to run verses 1 through probably, uh, I'm going to read 1 through 10 and probably preach on 7 to 10. But uh, I think it's all relevant, but we'll just see how it works out. Uh, Paul and Sal, uh, Salvanus and Timotheus. Unto the church of Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and the peace from our God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Which is manifest token of the righteous judgment of a God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing uh, with God to recompense Tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Stop right there. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you to open your word up to us. Let we understand that, yes, we're facing troubles. Yes, but you told us how to respond, how we can look past, how we can look forward, and Lord, that we can depend on you. Your promises are forever. Your word is something that we, for lack of a better term, Lord, we can take it to the bank. You've never reneged on your promises. Your word is true. Your word is the truth. Your word is concrete. We love you. Lord, open it up to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our present trouble, we're overshadowed, should be overshadowed uh, by our future victory in the coming day of the Lord. And it, it talks about this a little bit. You know, uh, 
It says he brags, you know, Paul and, and Silvanus and Timothy. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in, in Southern. Uh, that's Paul, that's Silas, and Timothy. Uh, they, the, new, the old King James, says, or King James says, Timothus. You know, it got a, a lot of us on the end of it. Well, we're, we're here in the South, and so it's just Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And so that's who he was talking about. And he traveled with them. And this church at Thessalon- in Thessalonica, uh, Paul started that church himself. Him and Timothy and Silas started that church. Uh, Silas was, uh, a tr- and Timothy were trusted companions of his, wherever he went. Um, when uh, Paul, on his second journey, was imprisoned and set free in the Philippian jail, Silas was with him. Silas was a fellow prisoner. And, uh, and so the Thessalonians knew Silas well. He had also collaborated with Paul on the first letter to Thessalonians. Timothy was a resident of Lystra. We know about Timothy. A city in the province of Galatia. Uh, he was the son of Greek father and a Jewish mother. Uh, his mother was named Eunice. And from his youth, he had been taught the scriptures by his grandmother. And he accompanied Paul on many of his missionary journeys. And Paul sent Timothy, or sent Timothy to the Thessalonians on a previous occasion uh, with Silas. And Timothy was also a collaborator with Silas when he uh, worked hard with the Thessalonians to uh, help them understand and grow past the milk. And so to the church of Thessalonians, Paul himself had found it, like I said, uh, on his second missionary journey. He was, uh, he was only in the city a short time because he was forced out by the enemies of the gospel. But the church in Thessalonica grew. And it was alive and it was active. And Paul's deep concern for this young church, uh, which he had suddenly had to leave, uh, prompted this letter following after the letter after First Thessalonians. See, Greek makes it plain that the Father and Christ are one source. And so when he makes these, these claims about our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, they're talking about the same person, just kind of like the, the song we sang a while ago, you know, where we sang to Jesus and we sang to the Father and we sang to the Spirit. One person, the whole song was singing to one person. Uh, and so it's grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul brought his customary greeting. If you read any of his letters, uh, that's pretty much how he opens them. Uh, and he's hailing them for their grace and peace. He's offering that. He's telling them. He's lifting them up about that. Uh, Paul thanks, uh, thanks them and boasting about the Thessalonians. Can people boast about Deep Creek Baptist Church? Can they boast about how we are growing in faith? Can they boast about how we are surviving in our persecutions and tribulations? I hope so. I can. I do. Uh, It says, we're bound to thank you always, in verse 2, or 3 and 4, it says, we're bound to thank you always, you brethren, as it is fitting It's fitting for them to boast because your faith grows exceedingly and you love one another and that love abounds toward each other. 
You know, God told us to love one another as he loved us. That would be a sign or a fruit for people to see that we're his, that we have his mark on us. And then he tells us a little bit later that what we need to do is love our neighbors as ourselves. And then you had this smart aleck little guy that said, who's a neighbor? Who's a neighbor? Anybody is a neighbor. If they're not living in your household, they're your neighbor. It's not a geographic or a distant thing. A neighbor is someone you meet. Like a friend. When you meet someone for the first time, rather than saying an acquaintance, I said, well, I have met a new friend today. Because the alternative is to say, well, I, I met this stranger and they turned out to be an enemy. <laughs> I mean, it don't make sense. Always try to be positive and let things work themselves out and maybe they've come out to be a good friend. Maybe they turn out to be a great neighbor. Maybe they turn out to be a brother or sister in Christ. But we have a lot of trials and we have a lot of tribulations and we should, the things that get us down should be overshadowed by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of what I preached about yesterday. We're going to get to see folks again. But, but our troubles that we're in today. The situation in the society that we live in today. Should be overshadowed by the fact. That we have victory in the coming day of the Lord. Victory. We may seem like we're all being persecuted. We may seem like the world's dumping on us. And we may seem like society's upside down. And, and if you are a, a God-loving Christian that loves your country, and you may seem like now they're trying to make you a second-class citizen or call you a racist or whatever they want to call you, you have victory in the day of the Lord. Because I can assure you that those folks, unless they turn to a bended knee and confess Jesus Christ, will spend eternity in hell. A place that none of us want to go. And a place, by the way, that was not created for human beings. It was created for angels who had rebelled against God. And so Paul was boasting about them. And their patience and their faith. And your through your persecutions and your tribulations that you endure. Now, they were catching it not only from society, but they were probably catching it from the from their neighbors that were Jewish, and they were probably catching it from their neighbors that were pagans. Because most of these folks were probably either Jewish or pagan when they came to Christ. And so they were, how can you not do this? You know, how can you not do that? Why have you turned your back on these things you've known since birth? Because they met Jesus Christ. They had an experience with the living God, not the one that's made in a rock or not the one that's made from something else, not man-made hands. Um, they worship the God that created everything that's made into a God. Think about that. Think about that. We worship the God that created it all. And so he's praising them for their, their, their ability to withstand the pressures of, of time, their ability to withstand the things that are going on with them uh, and he says, we're bound to thank you always. And Paul was giving thanks to God for the great work and an obligation he was bound to do so. Is it, isn't it our obligation to give thanks to God for the things that happen? 
that's good? Isn't it our obligation to thank God for people who are doing that work? You know, Paul's wording here is strong. Paul has always written a very warm letter containing some passages of high praise for the Thessalonian church. Uh, but it's possible that in a subsequent communication that they had with him, whether by letter or by word of mouth, uh, that had said that they were not worthy of such praise. And Paul strongly maintained that his word, uh, through his words, that they were worthy of that praise, that they were continuing to be worthy of that praise. It is your duty to praise him, to praise God. It is your, you are bound by the bonds of his love as long as you live to bless his name. Think about that. We are bound by his love that as long as we live, we are to bless God's name. Think about that. Think about that. That's pretty strong wording here. And if you do that through your trials and your tribulations, you will ultimately come to understand that we have victory. We have a victory. It is meant and, and it is meant for us that we should do so. You know, we get a lot of things in the Bible and, and, and we think that they're suggestions. We think that, well, if you do this, this, you know. No, they're not suggestions. They're actually, what does he tell us in, that we're to do? What? To teach the nations and make disciples of them, teaching them all that I have said. Well, if he has said it, it must be a command. It must be. Because your faith grows exceedingly, Paul thanked him because of the Thessalonians had exceedingly grown in faith, abounding in love, patience and faith in all persecutions and tribulations. This faith and love thriving in the midst of the persecution and the tribulations. Paul boasted of them to the other churches. Can you imagine what would happen if, if I came in here and stood up here and boasted about another church to you? About how great they were, how they were doing this, how they were growing, how, how folks were alive. And how would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? See, I can go, I can flip over to Revelation. And I can tell you, are you lukewarm? Are you hot? Are you cold? Have you lost your first love? I mean, we can go down the list. And so I imagine when he did that, it upset some of those churches. I imagine it upset a lot of the churches because they thought that they were the, the, the apple of Paul's eye. The verb here, growing exceedingly, is an unusual one. Here only, is here only in the Greek Bible and gives the thought of a very vigorous growth. If you have a garden and you have planted squash, you understand the term vigorous growth. I can assure you that next year, I hope that I can convince my partner that we're not going to plant that many squash plants. And just because we thought we had some going bad, we didn't have to go get 50 more. Uh, 
But we have vigorous growth in squash. And that's what he's talking about. It grows more than you can, than you can accept. It grows more than you expect. Do all you can. That's what he's talking about. Do all you can. And then do a little more. Read the Bible all you can and then read it some more. Help your neighbor all you can and then do it some more. Always have something in hand that is greater than your present capacity. Think about that. Always have something in hand that is present greater than your present capacity. Grow up to it. When you have grown up to it, move a little farther. Nowhere, I'm going to quote Joe Needham, nowhere in this book does it tell you that when you retire, the cost of the cross has been paid. Probably one of the most profound statements I ever heard him make. Nowhere in this book does it say that when you retire, the cost of the cross has been paid. It has not. The cost of the cross won't be paid until judgment day. And so what we have to do is we have to move forward. We may not be able to physically help people, but we can spiritually help people. If you're incapacitated and can't get out and about, pray. You can write letters. You can write a little note of encouragement. and send. That's something that people don't do nowadays. You know, because it costs about 50-some cents to send a letter. And you don't know how excited it makes people to see a handwritten address on an envelope in the mailbox. And especially a little one. One of these children. They, they, they can't, they, they stick, tell, they tell you, stick it in my, in my box. You know, they have a box that they keep safe. Stick it in my box. They got a letter in the mailbox. <laughs> I'm kind of like that sometimes. I'm going to stick it in my box. I got a letter in the mail. This is not a bill. <laughs> uh, and so we need to grow more. And, and, and so, so that we ourselves, this is an emphatic expression, so that we ourselves can grow. So that we ourselves can, it, it's a, it supplies a strong contrast. The Thessalonians were strong in their faith during tribulation. Their faith was growing in the midst of the tribulations and the persecutions. And we need to look at this so that we ourselves, it says so that we ourselves can see. Are we growing in our persecutions? Are we growing in our tribulations? Are we advancing in our faith exceedingly? Are we moving on and setting those bounds and growing higher and higher? Are we? Is the Bible on the table at the house covered in dust? Do we wipe it off and blow it off because somebody's coming? And I, I, I told this story before. I went to a house and visited. And the Bible had been wiped clean and had been moved. And on the coffee table was the dust where it had sat before. Yes, there it is. Read the thing. Read it. And especially if you don't have time to actually crack the book. There's so many Bible apps out there today. There's no excuse. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. 
And Paul shows us that we're under an obligation to give thanks to God, not only when he does us kindness, but also when we consider the kindness which he has shown towards our brethren. Are we happy when one of our brothers and sisters gets a promotion? Are we happy when one of our brothers and sisters gets, hits a windfall? Are we happy when things go their way? Are we? Are we there beside them when things don't quite go their way? Do we have our arms wrapped around them? Are we so in touch and so knit with each other we know when one of us is hurting? Thessalonica, the Thessalonians did. They did. We need to be able to show kindness and love to our brethren and our sisters in Christ. The persecutors of Thessalonians and their, and their persecutors. The persecution of the, Thess- of the tribulation in Thessalonians set uh, the righteousness of God. In verse uh, 6, seeing that it is the righteous things with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Think about that. God's righteous judgment was at work among the Thessalonians. Beginning at the house of God and purifying them as followers of Jesus. The good result, showing them worthy of the kingdom of God, was manifest evidence that God was good in allowing them to suffer persecution and tribulation. Listen, let me tell you. I went to Nicaragua on my first trip. And we, one of the things they liked to do was... They would take you to the prison there in Lyon. And that was one of the prisons during the revolution where they would interrogate people. And then if they didn't answer just right, they'd put them in a helicopter. And they would fly them up to the volcano and kick them out. And the volcano was there. You could still see it smoking. And uh, one of the interpreters that we had was working with us, and we went, and we did whatever, and then we went back to work at a, at, a, at a hospital, and it was hot, and he took his shirt off, and his back was scarred. And I asked him, I said, Nestor, I said, what happened to your back, brother? He said, I was blessed to have been striped for my Lord. They wanted him to denounce Christianity and become a communist. He wouldn't do it. He had the scars on his back. I remember that today and I'm thinking, can I withstand that persecution? Can I be that sold out for Christ? And we usually think God is absent when we suffer. And that our suffering calls God's righteous judgment into question. And Paul took the exact opposite position and insisted that the Thessalonian suffer suffering was evidence of the righteous judgment of God. 
Where suffering is coupled with righteous endurance, God's work is done. The fires of persecution and tribulation, uh, they were like the purifying fires of the refinery or the refiner. Burning away the dross from the gold, bringing forth pure, precious metal. When we rely upon God, when we're going through our persecution and our trials, and we hold steadfast on our faith, when we come out the other end, that faith is purified. It's like going through the fire and becoming pure gold. Get out the stamp, 999. Purity level. That's what it's talking about. How we respond, how we rely upon the Lord in this. Do we, oh Lord, why me? Or is it, oh Lord, why not me? My friends have been through this. Now it's my turn. The idea behind counted worthy is not seen as worthy, but reckoned as worthy. As in a judicial decree, Paul's prayer was that the worthiness of Jesus may be accounted to the Thessalonian Christians. They went through the fire. They stood before the judge. And the judge told them they were free. The judge told them they were worthy. Has the judge put you through the fire yet? You know, I'm going back to a little bit. You know, since, it's, since it is a righteous thing with God, many people question the righteousness of God, judgment. They believe that God's love and his judgment contradict each other. Well, they don't. Go to the book of Job. Go to the book of Job. Have, ever, have any of you ever read the book of Job? Satan was walking around and wanting to know who he could mess with. And God asked him, said, have you seen my servant Job? It's a righteous thing. God's judgment is above us. God's judgment is based on the great spiritual principles that it is a righteous thing with God to repay those who do evil. That's why he tells us, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Since God is righteous, he will repay all evil. And it will all be judged and accounted for either at the cross or in hell. That's the only two places where sin can be accounted for, where evil can be accounted for. You're either going to account for yours at the foot of the cross or you're going to count for yours in the heart of hell. That's the only two places. The judgment of God means that there is nothing unimportant in my life. Nothing. Everything is under the eye of God and I must answer to. Everything. A little word you whisper under your breath. The little word that pops in your mind when somebody cuts you off. The little word that comes out of your mouth and escapes when somebody cuts you off or slams on the brakes or does something. When somebody does something you don't like, all of that is under the eye of God. And I have to answer to it. The greatest thing about it is, is being saved is I can go to my Lord and ask for forgiveness immediately and can receive it. 
A word in which justice was not done at last would not be God's word at all. Think about that. To repay the tribulation of those who trouble you. God was also shown as righteous when those who persecuted the Thessalonians were repaid with tribulation according to their evil works. They probably believed they did God a favor when they persecuted the Christians. People today think they're doing God a favor when they persecute the church, when they persecute Christians, when they make us second class citizens, when they pass laws that are thumbing their nose at God. And because God is a God that's slow to anger, they think they think they got away with it. What they don't know is the righteous God will repay them and not reward them. They often think that they have temporary uh, uh, immunity for what they do and how they say and what they say and how they treat people. But often retribution is pictured as overtaking men in the world to come. But there is no warning passages which indicate that they may operate in here and the now. They operate here and now. And sometimes here and now they receive they receive their reward. Their judgment. We have to understand that God is on his throne. We have to understand that our present seeming defeat at the hands of the ungodly troublemakers is overshadowed uh, by the judgment in the coming day of the Lord and in the judgment that God renders today. Think about this. Fifty some odd years our country, our country ended innocent life in the womb. And then it was overturned. Sent it back to the states where it belongs. And if the church will stand up and do what the church was called to do 50 years ago, there won't be any abortion in the United States except for in a few troubled places that's already rotten in from the inside out. Our present circumstances and troublesome times are overshadowed by the glory of our faithfulness and it shall bring to Christ in the coming day of the Lord. Our faithfulness it's going to help usher in the coming of Jesus Christ. Our faithfulness. We are followers of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit residing within us. We have an obligation to walk worthy of that indwelling. And you've heard me say before, you know, we invite God to live in our hearts. Make yourself at home. But don't go in there. That's the junk room. Don't go over there. We invite somebody into our homes and tell you to make yourself at home, but don't open that closet because stuff will come fall out and might crush you. Open up your heart. Give it to Jesus. Tell him, go anywhere you want. Clean the cobwebs out. Do whatever. Lord, I'm sorry. My heart is dusty. Let him have full reign of your heart. And the older we get, the more troublesome we are in setting our ways and the more things that we tend to tolerate because 
we don't feel like we have the energy or the gumption or I'm just one person and we have history and I've tried to do this and I was persecuted the whole time. No, I'm not doing that again. I got my fingers burnt. It's hot. I'm not doing it. It hurt. Well, what if Jesus would have said that when we came to the cross? Well, you know, we need to be active and we need to be active today. This church was founded as Deep Creek Baptist Church 146 years ago. This month. We better start acting like we're ready for the next 146 years. Now, I'm going to commend us. We do a great job. But you know what? Like everything else, there's room for improvement. There's room for improvement. We can do a lot better than we do. We can pat ourselves on the back, say, job well done. Now, let's set the bar here and let's go get it. Individually and corporately. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. And I pray, God, that no one today leaves here without being made right with you. The judgment's coming. And Lord, there's only two places to answer for their sin. They'll either answer for it at the foot of the cross or they'll answer for it in the heart of hell. I pray that no one chooses the latter. Well, we just love you. Touch their hearts. Let us walk it out this week. Let people see the gospel in us. And when they ask questions, let us give the answer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hymn number 587. 587. Take time to be holy. Soft stand.